Welcome to the Auburn Live Podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where do you go? Hey, before we get going, let's give a quick shout out to our partners here at Auburn Live and the Auburn Live show. First of all, Southeastern, great bar in downtown Auburn, fantastic two-story building, beautiful place, a great lounge upstairs, tons of TVs, outdoor seating area, some finger foods and stuff like that as well. Awesome location in downtown Auburn. Go visit Southeastern, great game day experience, a weekend experience. Um, just go check them out, Southeastern, on Magnolia. Other partner, the Irritable Bow Restaurant, also on Magnolia, on the other side uh, of the street in downtown downtown Auburn, down, down Magnolia. Go check them out. Really good Chinese bow uh, food, uh, sh- shrimp shrimp rolls and, and steak, steak and, and, and chicken uh, skewers and um, rice bowls and just a bunch of, bunch of good stuff, man. If you've never had Chinese bow, It's really, really good. Shout out to our friend Whitley Dykes. Um, They get you in and out really quickly. So if you ever see a line, don't worry. It moves quickly. Go check out the Irritable Bow restaurant downtown Auburn and uh, tell them Auburn Live sent you. All right, let's go. All right, welcome into another Auburn Live show. It is Friday morning. Glorious day before another college football weekend. I am Justin Hokinson. With me is special guest, you heard him last week. We're going to try to get him on every week. He's a busy guy, but we're going to try to get him in when we can to cover college football. Uh, my friend and an awesome, awesome college football reporter for CBS Sports, Barrett Salee. Barrett, what's up, man? I'm doing good, man. It's nice to have a full weekend of college football back. That was that was a fun five-day span. I, I look forward to it every time we can have it. Obviously, last year uh, was not as fun because we didn't have that five-day game extravaganza, but, man, that was a lot of fun. That was awesome. That, was, that first weekend when you have games on Sunday and, and then Monday, and um, man, that was awesome. What was what was your takeaways from the from the opening weekend? Anything, you know, what teams, players, things, what, what stood out? <laughs> uh, well, that I'm a moron and picked LSU to win the West because that clearly is not happening. Man, that that team looked as dysfunctional and disinterested as it did last year. I swear that defense, I thought it was a Bo Pelini thing last year. It's a, it's an Ed Orgeron thing. So that was disappointing to me, uh, big time. Uh, I was at the Alabama game and man, Alabama's offense from the moment that they took the first snap, it was awesome. And they got Bryce Young into a lot of really good situations for him because I think clearly he is very comfortable on the run and man, he is accurate. Uh, you know, and then I think, uh, with the other contenders with Georgia Clemson, I just think that Clemson's offensive line issue was so apparent and Georgia knew it and Georgia took advantage. And when they saw that they could dominate the line of scrimmage defensively, they just basically stuck the offense in neutral. There was no need to take a chance in that game, which I think is, is I think a mature way to approach things. If you're Kirby smart, knowing that it's Clemson, you know, you, you don't want to start screwing around in a big game when you know the path to success. So the Alabama game didn't get to watch much of that because see it was a two thirty, so that was that was um, that was pregame right. Well, that's two, it was a two thirty start, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was the, I was up in the press box of the Auburn game. They didn't have it on. They had, they had it on, but it, I just didn't get to watch a bunch leading up to the Auburn game. I saw some stats after the game. Uh, I saw from Pro Football Focus that I, that I thought was interesting. It had it said that Miami was one of the top five teams in the country last week in quarterback pressures. Um, 
And I'm thinking, wait, so they, how did, how does that work? So they, they were down 27, nothing. Bryce Young had a great game, but Miami was pressuring him. I mean, (laughs) I mean, what you watched it, what were they, were they actually pressure? Was Bryce Young just evading it or, I mean, what, what was, what, what's the disconnect? No, it was, it was almost all rollouts. I mean, look, it was, I don't pro football focus has its metrics. I get that. Maybe there was a, uh, a player too that that won the battle at the line of scrimmage and got in the backfield, but no, it was not a, a situation where he was scrambling. I mean, the offensive line was fine. Yeah, there were moments, of course. It's just that's going to happen. But uh, no, it was it was full domination. It was full on domination. I think Bill O'Brien had a really good idea of of what he was doing. And really, after after the first couple of series, I guess that's when the pressure actually started counting for Pro Football Focus because the first couple of series. You know, they were dropping eight and Bryce Young was just picking them apart. And um, they didn't they didn't really adjust. Miami didn't really adjust until uh, much later in the game. So, I, you know, I guess that's when that, those pressures happened. But, but I mean, I think a lot of those um, were were probably just in name only because they did a really good job of getting uh, getting Bryce Young out where he's comfortable on the outside of the pocket. And, and to his credit, he didn't run either. You know, he he had his eyes downfield. He was ready to uh, to deliver the ball. He was not a run first guy, which for a lot of, you know, first time starting quarterbacks, you, you kind of wonder if the, the game, the speed of the game is too much. And and they, you know, choose to take off instead of going through your progressions. And Bryce didn't do that. All right. Well, that makes sense. Um, that makes sense. I just saw that and thought, how is that possible? Because, you know, they had Auburn up there. And I was like, well, that makes sense. Auburn lived in the backfield yeah. against Akron. But I just, uh, yeah, I think maybe, maybe however they graded that just, it was somehow uh, messed up in, in, in that game. What'd you think of Nick Saban's rant? Um, we're going to get into Auburn in just a second, but I kind of like recapping the, the week before. And of course, Nick Saban this week comes out and does his normal um, rant before a, before a cupcake just to get everybody in line, you know, so he can tell everybody what they're thinking. Um, and he comes out and says, oh, about the hype, everybody calm down. We only played one half of football and the other half, it was 17 to 13 close <laughs> game, blah, 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 blah. Uh, his normal his normal thing where he he tries to tell everybody um, how they should how they should think it's it was uh, I don't know it was it was it was like clockwork it was vintage saving that's just what like honestly I was sitting up there uh, with the Alabama beat writers and and the national folks and at halftime we were thinking well how is he going to spend this like what could you possibly take away from this game to use as motivation during Cupcake Week and. I guess the second half gave him something. I mean, he had to be searching for it because it was almost a perfect game, but you know, that's just Nick. And honestly, I'm fine with it. If, if that's the way he has to motivate his players for a cupcake game, fine. Uh, tell him, it, especially after such a perfect game, such a great debut offensively, you, know, you can't let those guys, you know, get full of themselves. So I'm on board with it. I'm fine. Uh, with the way he said it, uh, you know, I'm, again, I, he had to search. He had to search long and hard to find something from that game that uh, that he could use his motivation because it was dang near perfect. So you have, um, so you have Alabama does exactly what we thought they would do. Uh, Georgia Clemson was a you know a slugfest, um, low scoring slugfest. Both those defenses come away looking really, really good. Georgia was missing, you know, some offensive firepower. We got to have to take that in, into account. Um, Ohio State looked really good. Oklahoma, uh, you know, obviously not very good. I mean, valiant effort from Tulane, but that, that probably shouldn't be a five-point game in, in your own house. Who, who is um, – I guess who, who, who's stock up and who's stock down, like, of the national title contenders for you um, 
is, is it look like it's an Alabama Georgia thing going to Atlanta? And by the way, that looks like more of a foregone conclusion than even past years, Alabama Georgia. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's been other years, you know, maybe Florida. I feel like this year, I mean, we, we think maybe there's a, you know, maybe it's A&M or LSU a couple of years ago. Maybe teams are rising up. And then I'm looking and going, well, it seems no. like more of a <laughs> foregone conclusion that's Bama Georgia than any year that I can remember. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Ole Miss now that Ole Miss has a defense because that that part of it, I think, is interesting, um, you know, because it makes them more dangerous. But consistency, I think we have to wait and see. But, no, it, it does feel like more of a foregone conclusion. And I think in the, in the rankings, you know, you look at uh, Georgia, Alabama, and then a massive gap because I, Ohio State at number three, I mean, if Muhammad Ibrahim didn't get hurt in the second half of that game, he might have rushed for 250 yards. And that was a, that was Ohio State's problem last year is that they just weren't solid up front. So, you know, I, I think there's a big gap. And I think if you're talking about the teams that that looked good, I mean, I hate that. You know, I know that Notre Dame is polarizing. I get that. But Notre Dame looked good with Jack Cohn at quarterback. Yeah, that was a great and Jack Cohn looked like a difference maker, which an offense only had three returning starters. And. I just, you know, I know Notre Dame is divisive, but if that offense is going to look like that, it's going to be tough to beat that team. So, yeah, I mean, I think I guess if all the teams that were not um, sort of, uh, you know, uh, up there in terms of national championship contenders or playoff contenders, Notre Dame is probably the one that I look at and say, okay, everyone sort of looked on the outside looking in. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're on the inside looking out right now. Is Clemson fine? I mean, if they run the table, are they? Are they still one of the one of the top four, or does it look more dicey um, this year? Because you look at Miami gets whipped and North Carolina gets beat. So, what do we make of the SEC? Like, is Clemson if they go undefeated, are they fine, or is it more dicey this year? It's dicey because I mean, think about the ACC contenders: North Carolina and Miami lost, and really didn't look good at all. Uh, Georgia Tech lost, Duke lost to lesser opponents. So the ACC itself, Virginia, I mean, Louisville lost. Uh, Florida State actually looked okay. Um, in their loss, but you know, the ACC had a pretty bad week. So if you're, if you're an ACC fan, if you're a Clemson fan, especially you're looking specifically at the two PAC 12 big 10 matchups this, this weekend with Oregon, Ohio state, and then Washington, Michigan, because the last thing you want is the PAC 12 looking good. That's the last thing you want because the PAC 12 historically cannibalizes itself and never has any signature wins over other conferences. So yeah, if you're a Clemson fan, you're scared from that perspective, and then think about what you just asked about, you know, the, the foregone conclusion that it's Georgia, Alabama, and Atlanta. Well, if it's Georgia and they lose, they're probably still going to be in over Clemson. Right. And if it's Alabama with zero losses and a loss to Georgia and Atlanta, they're going to be in. So it's, it's not just the ACC being weak. It's that the Pac-12 has the ability to really, um, you know, up its profile, improve its profile this weekend. And the fact that pretty much well, every year since 2016 with Alabama and Florida, when Florida was kind of just garbage every year since then, both teams in Atlanta have had a chance to make the playoff. And that's not good for Clemson, especially since you just lost to one of them. Yeah. Georgia's in maybe a better position than Alabama. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. 100%. I mean, if Alabama loses in the swamp, you know, then they've got to, you know, got to beat Georgia. If they don't win that game, potentially they're out. Well, I think it's, you know, I mean, it's, it feels like just another year. It's like Alabama, <laughs> Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame. I mean, I mean, it's like 
they're they're just have recruited at such a ridiculously high level, and they're so balanced every year in recruiting. They're not missing. They're not no. gaps. That there's not years where oh they didn't recruit well. They're probably gonna they're gonna have a down year at name a position. Like that's been to me the most outstanding thing is it's not like they've recruited at a high level, but they had a little dip in you know the secondary. Oh, and this year the yeah. secondary is gonna be every year that they're good. They're I mean those those main teams are basically good across the board. Put in C.J. Stroud. Put in Bryce Young, put in mm -hmm. DJ. Put you know, it's like, I mean, it just doesn't matter. They're recruiting at such a crazy high level. They got backups ready to go. They they've really those programs have done such a good job of developing talent and putting putting players in the NFL that it's now allowed them over the last six, seven, eight years to recruit like that and go, hey, I know we have a five star, but you're the next five star, and I promise you, you only. It's gotten to the point where just look at Mac Jones. You, you only have to play for us one year. You only have to start one year and we'll put yeah, you in. And you'll be fine. Yeah, we'll put you in the NFL. And it's 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 happened so much that it's gosh, the talent that they've built up, there's just no holes. No, it's it's almost like a boomerang effect, right? Because if you don't have that kind of depth uh when you start a program, once you start to get that kind of depth, a lot of the people who don't start bail because they're they're you know they're ready to go and they want to find places to play and make themselves look good for the NFL. But Bama has gone past that. They've already gone back around to the fact that they keep everybody because, like you said, if if they're if it's only one year, it's fine, not a big deal. So it's it's pretty remarkable what he's done, and you know Dabo in a little bit of a different way. Uh, and then you know I think Ohio State quarterback wise, they're fine. I still have some doubts whether they're developing defensive talent up front, which is problematic. We saw that in the title game. We saw that last week against. Minnesota, we saw it all last year. So, uh, but it's it's amazing to get a program to a point in this day and age with the transfer portal and with all the different ways to make yourself desirable to the NFL that players are still willing to sit for two years before playing and then going to the NFL one year later. Like that's it's I don't know how you cannot compliment Nick Saban for what he's done. It's just it's unbelievable. Yeah, I feel like I would love to. I would love if somebody did a real deep dive into that because I, I just wonder with, you know, with technology and resources in the college football programs now, um, and and re resources in the NFL programs now, and in the way some of these top tier college programs are practicing and and developing, you know, maybe it's a thing now where the NFL it's not about hey, did you play three or four years? I mean, they can sit there and they've got film on a guy who who barely played but he was yeah. it was loaded and and they know the kid developed and practiced well they know he had all these resources he watched film he's probably intelligent and and there's just i don't know i feel like there's just so much data and, and information out there it allows you to to watch a guy that plays one year and know completely everything you need to know about him and um you're just like well, we're just going to recruit from alabama or ohio state doesn't matter if they're the backup because we know so much about him i don't know i would love yeah. to kind of get somebody's a, a that's been in that game, that scouting game. I just feel like there's, you know, there's so much data and resources on these guys that you just know what they're about. I don't know. Yeah, you do. And, and NFL scouts know it too. And they believe those, I think they believe those coaches too. Cause a lot of times coaches will, you know, talk up their guys, right. They'll, they'll just try to get those guys to the NFL. They'll, you know, oversell what they are, how good of a player they are, whatever. I think right now, Nick and Dabo and, um, and Ryan Day are honest with these scouts. And I think that that trust really pay, pays off on the recruiting trail because those players tell the younger players and they tell the younger players and it just keeps going and going down the line, which is honestly how 
USC built its program back in the mid 2000s. Because remember when Mark Sanchez declared for the NFL early, Pete Carroll walked out of the room because he didn't think he was ready. Turns out, you know, he was maybe not ready, but, uh, but you know, that's the scouts know that and the, the high school players and the players currently on rosters understand that if, if a coach, if one of those coaches say he's ready, then he's ready. Yeah. And other coaches, I don't think can, can say that. Yeah. Well, the top of the, the landscape in college football looks very similar. Um, and so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Um, let's talk about Auburn for a minute. A big win over Akron, 60 to 10. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are just trying to figure out wh- how much to take out of it. I think by now people have kind of come down and gone, okay, it was Akron, but, you know, it's going to take Penn State to, to, I think, expose some things about Auburn. But mm-hmm. what are a few positives that you can take from that game um, and, and from the Alabama State game too, because we, we think it'll be similar, uh, regardless of the opponent? And maybe what are some things that, that you're like – I don't know until they play Penn State. You, you can you can do whatever you want against Akron. I have no idea until you play Penn State. Yeah, that that part is probably Bo Nix. I mean, I didn't think he could go twenty of twenty two against Air, and so that's always good, you know. And one of those incompletions was a, a wide open drop. So, you know, I I want to see it against Penn State because you know it's Bo Nix and he's been inconsistent, especially in big, in big games at times. I think the biggest thing to me watching it's like it felt less chaotic. Like it felt like there was no chaos on the sideline. You know, with Gus, it just felt like there was just mass chaos quite often, even in games like that. Everyone felt under control. Everyone looked like they were disciplined. Everyone looked like they had a firm grasp of what the coaching staff was asking of them. And I, that fits Brian Harson's personality. But I think for Auburn, it's a stark contrast from what it was before. And I think that going out there in game one, Playing that way gives them confidence that, hey, you know what? This is going to work. This is the right coach. These are the right uh, assistants. And so I don't, that, that was my biggest takeaway. Defensively, it's Akron. Yeah, I mean, they, they lived in the backfield. And, you know, I think they'll do that a lot this year. Uh, but it was more just about the feel of the game and the fact that they just – it felt like a functional, normal, disciplined football team, which it just didn't feel that way the last couple of years under Gus. Yeah, well, that's certainly fair. And 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 sometimes, you know, you don't exactly always know, but Gus would just, I mean, he just put off that vibe too. Like he was so Gus is such a jittery, like, yeah. I gotta chew, you know, 74 pieces of gum in the game. <laughs> and 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 it's like you almost sometimes felt like that rubbed off on the team. And like, it, did, like yes. it was almost unpredictable. Like sometimes Auburn would do great things, and then sometimes they would do, you know, dumb things. And and you, it just was like it felt like he was kind of a up and down and a yeah. jittery mess. That's just how he is. And I feel like the team was like that a lot. And, and so- Harson is, and Harson is so not that, you know, Harson is emotionless, which I think is, oh, yeah. is probably a good thing. Yeah. No, he is completely different. That's trying to get used to him. The more press conferences we do, I'm trying to get, you know, you kind of just get more of a vibe of him. And I, and that's, that's the way I felt watching him on Monday was talk, talking about the Alabama state game. Brian Harson was kind of, the way he was talking about what he wanted from his team going into this week in the Alabama State game was focus, do it again. He mentioned maturity. Hey, mm-hmm. here's what you just did. Can you do it again? Can, can you can you not listen to how oh 60 to 10? Can you not listen to how great everybody is? Can you go do it again? Um and 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 it hit me, it hit me watching him that that's 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 him as well. So it's not just yeah. a coach that's saying, hey, this is what I want to see. 
that's who he is. And I think that will help uh, rub, rub off on, on the team. I mean, that's it, trying to impress um, Brian Harson is, uh, is a feat. I mean, I've heard questions <laughs> where you, you know, sometimes you ask a question or you hear a question asked to a coach and you're thinking, you kind of know they're trying to maybe get kind of a, a you know, getting their feels a little bit. You, you kind of want like a really cool answer. Or, you know, somebody asked him like, what was it like to win your first game at Auburn? And, you know, and he's like, you know, I mean, it was just such a dry answer. He's like, I mean, I yeah. mean he might as well have said, I mean, it's fine. We'll get a win in t- next Saturday or you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it's just like that's who he is. And so yeah, he's super laid back. How you have to be. Yeah, he's intense, but he's calm and collected. And I think that's that's kind of what I mean, that's I think the biggest draw for him is that he is intense. He does demand perfection, but he his his calm demeanor in terms of control really, I think, rubs off. And I've said for years, like even going back to like Will Muschamp failing at Florida, he, he tried to be Nick Saban. And if you're a, if you're a player, you understand that y- you know when a coach is faking it. You know, when, even if it doesn't really matter to you, you know when a coach is faking it and you do take the personality of that coach. And I think you're right. Gus, Gus's personality was chaos, which it works for some teams. That's fine. But I think at Auburn, it got a little too chaotic at time, and they've swung the other direction. And I think it'll, you know, that was the biggest thing is that, you know, a lot of folks were, were thinking, okay, how's this going to work at Harson's an outsider and all this other stuff. And it's like, well, if you have a talent on the roster and they do, then a good coach can coach up players and he's a good coach. And obviously I think his personality fits what Auburn wants to do. Yeah. And you talk about players being able to see through it. It helps when you're Brian Harson and you can, and you're out there running decks with your team. <laughs> so that's, uh, you're doing that. Um, you know, that kind of takes away any doubt I have about trying to see through things. Cause if you're doing that, then uh, I mean, there's not many coaches that could, that could physically um, that could physically do that. So yeah. what are you looking for, for Auburn? I mean, at Alabama state, another situation like Akron, um, is there anything in particular that you want to see that you didn't see Saturday? Is it even possible to see anything against Alabama State for Auburn that that you didn't see against Akron? Like their secondary is not going to be tested again. Um, yeah. I mean, what what can we see against Alabama State that we didn't see? Is it just like what Harson said? Do it again. If you do it again and you look that clean and you look that sharp and you look that dialed in, then maybe that's the only thing you can really hope for in, in this game is just don't don't go sloppy and that shows immaturity. I mean, is it that simple or is there, is there something I'm missing that we could look for in this game? No, I mean, it is that simple. I mean, it's exactly what it is. And I, I think if you're, if you're Brian Harson, you would rather that happen sooner rather than later in the game so you can get the starters out and develop that depth because you are going to need that at some point, even if it's not necessarily at Penn State. Um, but injuries happen, all that other stuff. So – yeah, I mean, it is as simple as don't believe the headlines, don't care that there's a number next to your name, uh, you know, on ESPN.com on the scoreboard, even though it's 25, don't worry about it. Don't care, you know, just go out there and handle your business. Go out there and prepare and accordingly and execute accordingly. And if 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 they do that, then that's fine. And you just don't want to have injuries. But it, it is all about replicating what what happened last weekend. And if, if that happens, then I think it, it shows that Harson's message, message is getting across. Yeah, so Auburn plays Alabama State at 11 a.m. Um, should be an eventful day. It's it's the 20th anniversary of 9-11 on Saturday, so there'll be a lot of stuff before the game, and I'm sure all over college football landscape um, will be a very uh, patriotic day. I've already seen some teams with the American flag logos on the helmets and and all that stuff, so it'll be a very, um, you know, kind of 
day to remember, I think, in, in college football. It's going to take a lot of people back, you know, 20 years. So it'll be a, a really interesting, um, interesting day, interesting day in, in, in college football. Um, real quick about Penn State, who's, who's going to be Auburn's. Obviously, that's the big-time opponent in week three. Did you watch some of the Wisconsin game? What were your thoughts? I mean, the, the first half was like – and then the second half Penn State came alive I didn't get to watch as much of it but um did you did you watch some what do you what do you make of it is it is a game after watching one game from Penn State is it a game Auburn can can go win or does it look harder or less hard than it did before the season started I'm much more confident that Auburn can win it I I still I picked Penn State before the season I probably might change that depending on what happens this weekend because it's just hard to trust Sean Clifford Uh, it really is and the play calling for Penn State was weird and I just – it felt like they never got into a group. Even in the second half when they scored points, it was just like – it just never felt comfortable. It never felt fluid. It never felt like they had a, a firm grasp of what they were being asked to do. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I think Auburn folks, you know, need to look at that Ball State game this weekend and see how they improve from week one to week two because that's a really good Ball State team. It's a really experienced Ball State team. So, uh, if, if, you're, if you're James Franklin – you need to make sure you're on your A game against that team and then work on some stuff offensively because they were rusty and they did not look good. So, you know, I, I still think Penn State's defense can be really darn solid. I thought the playmakers offensively would make a big difference, but it just, it never, it, Noah Kane wasn't there for a half. Jahan Dotson barely touched the ball in the first half. Sean Clifford was a mess. You, you can't do that. You, you just can't be that. You can't do that in the Big Ten East because they're, you know, Ohio State's going to score 40 points a game and you can't do it, you know, against a team like uh, like Wisconsin because, you know, even though they're going to play old school, they're going to punch you in the mouth and they, they might force a turnover that, that changes the game. So it was not a very, very uh, welcome sight for, uh, for Penn State. And I, you know, I thought Penn State was going to be uh, a lot better than that. I was buying into Sean Clifford probably more than I should. So I'm, I'm not sold on them anymore. Yeah, I, I would I would probably tend to agree with you. I mean, I would think I would think it gives I think I probably give Auburn a slightly better chance than I did. I still think it's going to mm-hmm. be a really tough task, really, because of just what Auburn's going to have to deal with and in, in their first big time opponent and yeah, being on the road and it just there's a lot that's that's a lot to 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 pull through it. Um, the the odds are that you don't, um, even if Penn State's not great. So that'll be an interesting game to watch. Hey, well, I guess real quick, JT Daniels. Um, May or may not play this weekend against UAB. Um, Auburn has them in three weeks. Um, what's your thoughts on this weekend? Any chance that UAB can stay close in this game? If, if JT Daniels doesn't play, I don't know anything about their backup, Georgia's backup. I don't know anything about him. So, I mean, I, I mean, is it is it how big a deal are we talking about if this kid doesn't play? I don't think it's a huge deal. I mean, it, it might be under the tw- under the twenty four. You know, I think that's the number right now. Uh, but I still, from what I've been told, JT is going to play. He does have a core injury. He'll probably put on a bigger flak jacket if he plays. They'll pull him out earlier than they maybe normally would. But we saw that defense. That's that's a next-level defense. It's going to be really hard for UAB to move the football. And Carson Beck's a really talented kid, uh, five-star kid. And then uh, Brock Vandegrift came in uh, to the class last year. He's a really good player. You know, they're not going to burn a red shirt on either one of those guys or on, on Vandegrift, but he can still play. And if this is a good chance for him to play, if, if it comes to that. So I wouldn't worry about Georgia winning. I just think that offensively, maybe they had planned on this being where they unleash their offense a little bit more, 
But if JT is not going to be 100% or JT is not effective, then maybe dial that back a bit. Uh, but it, with that defense, man, uh, it's just filthy. It is filthy, man. And Jordan Davis, <laughs> whoever has to go against him, if you're a center, you're just like, I mean, that is a long day. That is a yeah, I don't. I don't know how you deal with it. I don't know how you block him. You don't. You double team him, which just causes all. That's just the whole point, <laughs> obviously. And it yeah. just causes all kinds of problems. But yeah, you. I. I don't. I don't know either. You. You just. I. I don't know. I mean, that's that's why he's such. That's why defense. I mean, he's such a big part of it. You know, obviously. Yeah. Better, but um, my gosh. So all right. So what are the big games this weekend? Missouri, Kentucky's getting some play. I mean, I guess it's an intriguing game. Like, Clem, I mean, uh, Ohio State, Oregon. Ohio State, Oregon, Iowa, Iowa State, but in the SEC, I mean, Kentucky. I don't know if you watch Kentucky on Saturday. That's a fun team. Is it? You know, Will Levis looks like a, a really good quarterback. They have weapons everywhere. Wondell Robinson lines up at running back, at receiver, all over the place. And then you know they're they're going to win the battle of the line of scrimmage. And I know Missouri was not great last week. I think they held a lot of stuff back. But I just am, I, I'm a big Eli Drinkwitz fan. So you know, I know for. For a lot of folks, the first SEC game being Kentucky versus Missouri, probably not the draw that you want, but I'm really fascinated to see what Kentucky looks like because I, I am suddenly very bullish on, on them, not only being you know a, a good football team, but probably the second best team in the East behind Georgia. Uh, well, that's probably that's probably what that game's going to be. Well, worked out great, by the way, for Missouri-Kentucky that they happen to have this year where they're both on the rise – and yeah, they're playing at a time when nobody else is in the leagues. Like it worked out perfectly for them. Did. Attention, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at Florida. Like quarterback, could, could the quarterback issue become a thing? Mm-hmm. And so you're thinking, okay, this Missouri Kentucky game, winner of this game has got a legit shot at now finishing second in the division. I mean, that's yeah. that's me. That's you're you're trying to win this game and put yourself in position and build that confidence. Yeah, it is. A yeah, big and and think about it. Florida's got to play Alabama, so there's already one loss built in. So. You know, if, if, if you're going to finish second in the East, you you know Florida's going to have a built-in conference loss, probably two built-in conference losses with Georgia. You know, you, you need to uh, announce your presence, and the winner of this Florida-Kentucky-Missouri uh, game will will be a force to be reckoned with in that division, at least with Florida, not with Georgia, but at least with Florida. Yeah, and then what's your pick in Ohio State-Oregon? I think Ohio State's going to win, but I just don't trust that defensive front. I, I think it's like a two-touchdown game in Vegas. That just seems oh, wow. way too much. I know Kayvon Thibodeau's, you know, day-to-day or whatever, but, I mean, that that Ohio State front four just did not impress me. And that's a trend. That's not a one-off. That's a trend. And Oregon can win the battle at the line of scrimmage, and they can run the dang football, too, with Verdell and Die. So they're going to be close, but I think Ohio State gets a job done. Their receivers are uncoverable at this point. Which is crazy, though, because Ohio State has such an incredible tradition of defensive ends, and yet stopping the run has been an yeah. issue, right? I mean, and like they're I, talented, too. These are highly touted kids. Are they lacking at the defensive tackle? They've had all these ends go through, but has the tackles been – I mean, that's weird. Or is it linebacker? It is an odd thing to, to, to try to figure out. And a ton of DBs have gone pro. Um, it's bizarre. They had a bunch of talent. It is bizarre. It is, and it's you know maybe it's coaching. Maybe it's that staff. You know, I don't know. It's it's been a it's been a mystery, and I just think with with Oregon and what they're able to do, uh, they they are going to give that defensive front fits. And then the Iowa State Iowa game, where is that game being played? It's Ames. It's where game day is. Oh wow! So that's in Ames. So now I get why why our why our buddy Josh Pate has has been picking Iowa State to win the league. I mean, I guess if you see Oklahoma, 
you're like, uh, I don't know. I mean, then if Iowa State is as good as people are saying they are, and you watch Oklahoma, then yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess this is obviously this is an out of conference game, but just in general, um, I was a good team and should well, be. They, yeah, they, Iowa State's lost four straight, I think, to Iowa, uh, and a lot of those games have been wild. And this is going to be even wilder because of obviously all the hype around both those programs. So it'll be interesting. Brees Hall didn't look that good. Last week, uh, you know, in their game against well, <laughs> nothing looked good for Iowa State against Northern Iowa. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens because I think Iowa that you know you know what you're getting with with that entire program really Kirk Ferentz and and what he's able to do it's just kind of like Wisconsin where you either rinse or repeat. Uh, and and if they if Brees Hall can't get going on the ground, then Iowa State's going to be in a in a tough spot. Well, that'll be an interesting game as well. Uh, but, yeah, all eyes will probably be on, on Columbus in that, in that mm-hmm. game in conference, Missouri-Kentucky. Um, and then we'll really get it going um, that, next, that next week for Auburn as they go to Penn State. Auburn's got Alabama State this Saturday, 11 a.m. Should be another, um, you know, rollover game. We'll see, though, 11 a.m. You know, maybe they – you know, I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a test in terms of just challenging them with a different time of day. Get up, be focused no matter what. Yep. So, that it, it I think Harson hit it on the head it's a maturity thing and so you'll you'll see if this team's if this team's buying in completely and if they're a pretty mature team if they can go out there and do the exact same thing that that I think would be a, a great sign um yep. on, on Saturday morning all right Barrett appreciate it man thanks so much for joining us yeah man my pleasure thanks for having me yep cbssports.com at Barrett Salee on Twitter uh Fox Sports Radio right on Sunday mornings on Sirius Sirius uh, ESPNU Radio ESPNU Radio ESPN Radio on Sunday mornings, man. Always glad to have you. Yeah, man. Anytime. All right. See you, Barrett. Thanks, everybody. See you, dude.